It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Ken loves talking all about cars, past, present, and future. Here he is, that automotive nerd with a historical twist, Ken Chester. This is indeed Roadworthy Drive, and I'm so glad you could join us. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. Each and every week here on the program, I load it full of information and consumer news that will benefit you, my listener. I share the news and analysis that you will find nowhere else concerning the automotive topics of the day. From impact of that autonomous Uber down in Arizona a few weeks back to breaking consumer news that could impact your pocketbook, not only now, but in the near future. Yep, I do the research that you don't have to. Using my years as an automotive journalist, vehicle purchase consultant, and automotive researcher historian for your benefit. As usual, this hour is no exception to the rule. I plan to take you for a walk on the dark side, as well as share with you breaking news on the legislative front. Trust me, you want to know. I won't put you to sleep, I promise. Finally, we're going to take a little walk into the weeds for a bit with a segment I call Utopia and the Autonomous Car. So plenty for you to bite into information-wise, but first, let's say hi to the other members of my Roadworthy Drive crew. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him, and that's because he's the only designated adult that the suits will let near the controls so we can produce the show. Say hello to my friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack. Hello. Hey, there you go. He, Yeah, just <laughs> a lot of emotion there. I was waiting for him to keep going. Yeah, yeah. He did not cover this in the production meeting. Well, he you did know not, what? No. I was only going to give you 25 cents. I didn't realize you wanted 50 for that. Well, you should know that. Move on. Well, now I do. Holding it down at mic number two is Roadworthy Drive's answer to Monty Python and all things social media. <laughs> Our sweet and sassy social media diva, Sasha. Howdy, my peoples. <laughs> Where does he write this thing? I, late at night. Yeah, when he's <laughs> Very late at night, actually. No lie. That's because he's not getting enough sleep. Not lately, actually. <laughs> Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll recover here in a few days. But There you go. Yes, sir. Um, all I'm going to ask, I asked it the last show, I'm going to ask. Um, so, does meeting with the suits guarantee that you get a chair and we don't? Yes. I mean, this is a case of the haves and the have-nots. Okay, but well, the haves and the have-brokens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, in my defense, though, I actually tried to meet with the suits, and I was particularly like locked out. Like, what was up with the, uh, with the door? All I know is we're standing, you're sitting. That's uh, all I know. Just you saying. have a chair behind you that you can it's sit down broken. in. It's broken. Well, you're the one that wants to be seen on our YouTube feed, so you yeah, got to stand is, up. But it's broken, though. Uh, not my monkey, not my circus. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for him to be like, but she touched it, though. Um, it's got cooties? <laughs> let's, let's talk about it if you want to contact the show. Ah, well, before I share what I found from the parts bin, here's how you can connect with the Roadworthy Drive crew and the show, if you want to, <laughs> call or text the Roadworthy Drive Line at 872-222-9793. That number is good anytime, no matter what Jack tells you. You don't have to wait to hear me on the radio to have an impact. Although I've been told some people want to impact me 
even outside the studio. What? Yeah, just saying. No, that's a you problem. Yeah, well, if you'd rather communicate via email, it's safer, it's softer, it doesn't hurt as badly. Uh, my address is Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. Either way is a wonderful way to connect. Now, a little bit from the parts bin, if you guys are ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Um, I'll ask this question of you, Jack. You might remember it. Have you ever heard of a Yinko Camaro? No. Okay. I, I'm not even going to ask Sasha. Good. I, I'm not even going to do that. Okay. Um, the Yinko Camaros were vehicles that were actually modified by a dealer in Pennsylvania. And uh, using um, ordering some parts from GM, they upgraded the standard Camaro into these awesome production cars. Okay, what year are we talking about? Late sixties, and in I fact, was only three or four. <laughs> I know. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm not even going to step into that. They made them actually. Uh, Camaros were the main ones, but he actually did a couple of Vegas, believe it or not, and a few other cars. I wow. think an over or two. What? Yeah, these things were legendary. In fact, so legendary they're collector's item today. Oh, they'd have to be. Yeah. Well, guess what? This company called Specialty Vehicle Engineering is bringing out a brand new 2018 Yinko SC Stage 2 Camaro with 1,000 horsepower. What could possibly go wrong? That sounds like something that I definitely need. Uh, no, no it, one needs 1,000 horsepower on the road. It's based on a 2018 Chevy Camaro SS in the 1LE trim. It's powered by a custom-built 6.8-liter, which is mammoth, supercharged LT1 V8. Oh, my goodness. And they backstopped this engine in order to keep this engine running good and cooled with a heavy-duty cooling system with an engine oil cooler, two outboard radiators, a transmission cooler, and a rear differential cooler. Wow. I, I, I guess a 1,000 horsepower throws off a little heat. Uh, yeah. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit of heat. Yeah. yeah. Now, what, what they've done is they've preserved, they've paid homage to the labeling and the inside uh, design of the Yinko Camaros mm -hmm. uh, with the badging, uh, special wheels, uh, and things like that that pay homage to the original Yinkos. Now, they're going to build 25 of them, but the manufacturer is not telling you how much you're going to charge. I'm going to bet you it's going to be north of 200000 I'm inclined I'm inclined to agree with you, sir. I am inclined to agree with you. Mark the tape. Oh, <laughs> get over it, will you? Um, let's talk about Audi for a minute. Audi, um, we talked about Audi reaching out in uh, vehicle to uh, infrastructure technology in Las Vegas about mm -hmm. a year or two ago. Yep. Uh, they've expanded. Okay, where are they now? Um, they are now going to D.C., uh, but they're also in the cities of Dallas and Houston, Portland, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, and Palo Alto and Arcadia, California. Now, okay. what this what they're using is their their cars. Certain Audi models have the ability to uh, communicate with traffic lights in order to uh, access what they call the time to green feature which would let a driver know in certain Audi models when that light's going to change. Oh. So it's actually going to give you a countdown to when it's going to change. Yeah. You'll know as opposed to the drivers around you who won't know. So. Well, if, with somebody's in front of me, it doesn't do me a darn bit of good. 
Yeah, well, it might coming up to an intersection, though. So, Particularly if you're considering different directions. In addition okay. to the yellow light, the car will also tell you. The car says time to green. Okay. That's what it says. Now, future versions of this uh, could include integration with the vehicle start-stop function and something called green light optimized speed advisory. Meaning, if you think about it, a way that if you're in a city, that it would know the speed communicating with the traffic lights down the block, mm-hmm. what speed you need to run to keep the green li- to keep the green light, and never have to come to a complete stop. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that's where they're going. Not to mention, Audi's kind of been at the forefront. We talk a lot about vehicle to X, uh, vehicle to anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Audi's been aggressive in real time vehicle to integration, vehicle to infrastructure. Uh, just alone in DC, there are 600 intersections that support that time to green feature of their traffic light information. Well, because usually there's about only one person in DC that can that can run whatever the light color is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Um, but think about this. This is another step in more information, which could lead to a better mobility experience, particularly if you integrate it into the car and the car could optimize your trip based on traffic load and pattern, accidents, construction, all of this put in together in a map of path for you where you spend more time moving than sitting. Okay, but this is also going to raise a concern for me about aren't we adding one more distraction to driving by this? Not necessarily. Uh, particularly if we're heading towards a semi-autonomous and fully autonomous future. Also understand that Audi also has something called Traffic Jam Assistant. You start merging all this stuff together, the car begins to get the ability to do certain things on its own more efficiently than if you were driving it. Okay. So food for thought, uh, or as they say, another brick in the wall. Oh, did you have to go Pink there? Floyd. I just nice. did. Yes, I did. Nice. He yes. had to make the Pink Floyd reference. I boy, did. You, boy, you just dated a bunch of us in this room. You know that? <laughs> you know what? Deal. Deal. When I come back, uh, a legislative update. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. tuned to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. A report from Shell. Is there anything you can do about the gasoline shortage? Yes. Keep your car in tune. Keep your tires properly inflated. Slow down a little. Don't jackrabbit away from stoplights. And try to cut down on some of those short trips. Through proper maintenance and conservative driving, you could actually reduce your gasoline consumption up to 20%. This has been a report from Shell. Imagine that. An oil company who is trying to encourage you to burn less gasoline. I'm actually still shocked that they said that if I keep my tires actually aired up, 
that it would help with my gas consumption. Well, but that is still very true. What? But yeah. you, but you also have to remember back when we had the gas shortage, and I do remember that. I was only eight or nine at the time, but you know, in remembering that, everybody did that. All of the gas commercials, everybody said, "Inflate your tires, don't jackrabbit." Do all this stuff, and you can say, and you can save gas because literally, there were places where you could only get ten gallons at a time. Yeah, yeah. They all, that's also when they passed the fifty-five mile an hour speed limit. Yep. Sammy Hagar forever. I can't drive fifty-five. So true. Hey, and if you're just tuning in, you've discovered Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm Ken Chester. Now, Sasha would readily admit, and Sasha's our social media diva. In case you were wondering, I am. That any time I want to talk about government regulation, her eyes glaze over. Usually just gets Jack's blood pressure up. Yes, it does. See, <laughs> I, know, I know my peeps. However, did you know that the motor vehicle you have parked in your driveway or garage is likely the most regulated mass-produced device that you use on a regular basis? Yep. Tis true. Whether you like it or not, regulation impacts pretty much everything you do when driving, buying, trading, or leasing a vehicle. Recent events in Washington demand a bit more of attention than your passing interest, and here is why. Um, We're going to start with the fuel economy standards, and we've talked about these. Um, They've been with us, actually, since the oil crisis. Yeah, yeah. Um, The automakers made a deal with the EPA back in 2012. They said, we want... We agree that we will develop technologies to deliver a corporate average fuel economy across everything we sell of 52.5 miles to the gallon by the year 2025. They also agreed, and the EPA agreed, that we would look at that in 2018 to see if everybody's on track. Yep. Now, in the meanwhile, they locked in standards for 2022, which are a third better than where we're at now. And in case you're wondering where we're at now, average fuel economy is a little bit over 25 miles of the gallon, a corporate average fuel economy. Now, it's important to note two things. One, that uh, any three-quarter ton or heavier truck is excluded. They're not including those. Okay. Okay, so the 2,500 and the 250 are all included? Not included. Not included. Okay. Not yeah, 2,500, 3,500, not, not included. Okay. Which is why you never see fuel economy numbers on, on a three-quarter ton. Because <laughs> yep. they're exempt. Yep. Always yep. have been. However, half tons, SUVs, and smaller pickups did get included. They weren't included before, even though the formula is a little different. So I want to make that clear. Now, they're looking at revisiting. You mentioned We mentioned in a previous show, oil companies, that everybody's up in arms about that 52.5 miles of the gallon. Now, what people don't realize is the automakers with their long lead times have to do stuff now to even make 2022. Right. So that's kind of moot. But 2025, that next three-year leap, yeah, they're talking to the government about revisiting those standards right now. Another thing they're talking about, and this kind of affects um, farmers in the Midwest or pretty much any farmer planting corn for ethanol. And we kind of passed this uh, last hour. Um they're looking at re-rolling back the renewable fuel standard and eliminating it completely by 2030. Okay, go back a little bit for me. Yeah. Have they said what they want? The, the, you said 52 point something per gallon. 52.5. Uh, miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. Have, has, the, has the car companies said what they want to lower it to? If they have, it has not been made public. 
But obviously, with the billions they got to spend, which is why we're seeing this rise of electric cars, because let's face it, I don't care if you're an aluminum F-150, you're using aluminum doors and lids and trunk lids for a Chevy Silverado, or you're throwing a diesel in a Ram. You're Mm -hmm. never going to get those vehicles up anywhere close to that. So when you're selling millions of them, which they are, you need other things that either don't pollute at all or get ridiculously high fuel economy. Well, the problem with that is the internal combustion engine has limitations. Right. You know, thermal uh, transfer, a lot of the gasoline that's burned in an internal combustion engine is dissipated as heat, not as mechanical power. You lose some of that through the transmission and some of that through the drivetrain in order for it to be efficient. So knowing that you've got limitations, again, we've talked here the last show, where Toyota's got the thermal um, efficiency of the engine up, meaning it's throwing less in heat and more in mechanical force or torque, if you will. The more torque uh, in a displacement, the more efficient and the more you can get out of a, a gallon of gasoline okay. or a diesel fuel. So they're looking at that. Uh, what we reported on earlier was their attempt to eliminate the uh, renewable fuel standard by 2030. Why? Because um, there's a number of vehicles, particularly if you own an older vehicle, that won't run on E15, which is the new big thing, which is 15% ethanol, which mm-hmm. is another opportunity for ethanol uh, manufacturers and blenders to get more ethanol into the system. In fact, you literally, literally, literally have to check your owner's manual because it's not even. Automakers anywhere between 2006 and 2012 allow it, but it's not, there's not a fine line. And even within models, you can't. It really depends on engines and automakers and stuff like that. Some can, some can't. Some of those will actually void the warranty if you're not careful. So there's that going on. Now, would you believe that Takata is still in the news? How? Airbag? I thought they were out of business. Right. They, they filed for bankruptcy, but their assets got sold to another competitor. Oh, okay. However, there are, there are airbags still being installed. This recall still going on. Um, they said that roughly um, 21 million Takata Corp airbags have been repaired uh, within the last few years. That's only 42%. Of the 50 million currently recalled. Wow. Um, they expect that total to climb as high as 70 million by the end of next year. Yeah. And the recall currently covers roughly 37 million vehicles covering 19 automakers. In fact, to go you one further, Honda's the one most at risk because Honda airbags was in more of their cars than anything. Mm-hmm. Honda actually sent people door to door to their owners. Oh, wow. So they tracked down the vehicles by VIN number? Mm-hmm. There was a that. Honda and other automakers developed a so-called batch lookup tool that can search up to 10,000 vehicles' identification numbers to find open safety recalls. So they're not done, but they're making progress. Coming up, a walk on the dark side of the gig economy and personal credit. This is Roadworthy Drive. Do you have a question, idea, or comment for Ken? 
you can let him know by calling 872-888-9793 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Leave Ken a voicemail message or a text. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Now, by the way, if you're one of those that need or want more than your fair share of the road, be sure to check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Listen to past shows. Watch videos of our behind-the-scenes carrying on in studio while we produce the show. This usually includes the passionate conversations that we have about some of the topics we discuss on the show that doesn't make the audio clips. To say that we're passionate and intense about what we discuss each week would be an understatement. No. No? Really? No. In any case, see what you're missing. Uh, The website is also a great place to discover what we've been up to between shows and the universe of social media. Sasha is our friendly social media diva who keeps you informed and entertained between shows with her posting of a variety of automotive technology topics and news. See how she keeps the social and our social media. As always, you'll be glad you did. Now, here in the show, we've often discussed the positive impact of the vast amount of technology relating to transportation for the average consumer. What I haven't talked about, what we haven't discussed, is what I call the flip side, the dark side of those whose lives are being upended by all these changes, especially when it means they have no way of responding to the dramatic changes in their ability to earn a living. We've also talked about the coming changes to personal credit in the year to come. Have you ever thought about the quality of your social credit? What is social credit? Yep. It's a thing. And one country is about to rate each and every one of their citizens. And as a result, it's going to have some real consequences. In fact, even though it's voluntary, it's having consequences right now. For, mo- for the mobility of a broad swath of their population. And we're going to talk about these two items. But let me start with this. Now, we have based kind of, we've touched and dusted about how Uber and Lyft and Get and Car2Go and all of these ride hailing, ride sharing services are affecting like cabbies and private limos and stuff like that. Correct. Right. Um, earlier this year, a private limo driver in New York City committed suicide. Oh, no. Oh, boy. The reason, he said, he was talking about, he he left a long Facebook post, and he said, well, let me start. In New York City, prior to Uber, there was approximately 12 to 13,000 cabs allowed in the city. Mm-hmm. Each of them uh, were regulated by their taxi commission. Yep. And right. you had something called a medallion. Yep. Correct. You, If you didn't have a medallion, you couldn't legally key there, legally be a cab. And Lines. those medallions cost some big money. Oh, yeah. Anywhere from 325000 to up before things changed, nearing a million dollars. Yep. But they were licensed to print money back in the day. Now, with everything else... We talked about Via in, in, in Arlington, Texas. Mm-hmm. Via in New York would charge a little more than $5 to travel in Manhattan. 
Ooh. Trust me, that's a deal all that's day. That's a steal. Every uh, day. Exactly. In 2013, there were 47,000 for hire vehicles in the city. Want to take a guess how many today? Less than 10. Less than five? Less than two? 100,000. Oh, because of. What do you. Th- and those are not medallions. That's. No. For hire, that would be Uber, Lyft, Via. Okay. Okay. I see what Whatever. you're saying. Okay. I thought we were just talking cash. No. I know. So did No. Mm-mm. This guy talked about that um, his his income went from like $88,000 a year mm. to 69000 working 100 hours a week now instead of the 40 hours he used to work. Oh. Uh, people who borrowed money to buy medallions, the medallions have fallen like a rock. Yep. They're overstretched because they can't cover the cost of what they borrowed for the medallion that was supposed to be worth it, which was least, literally their license to print money. And, you know, they borrowed money to pay for them. Now they're deeply in debt. Um, but this gentleman in his early 60s uh, complained. He blamed the taxi commission for the fines and hassle it imposed. And uh, he was a casualty. One of many. And he wasn't the only one. Um, number of suicides in New York City among cab drivers. Up a bit as these guys are overextended and upside down with wow. no way out. So there's a very real consequence to creative disruption. And what my question is, why I'm sure that some of these taxi drivers are looking at the taxi commission going, why in the heck didn't you protect us? That was his point. That was his entire point. But, you know, at what point when technology overtakes something, you got to draw a line somewhere. Because if you try to protect them, then you make the city less hospitable than other cities. And that starts costing everybody business because conventions will go elsewhere. Uh, Tourists will go elsewhere. It'll happen. So it's it's a balancing act. How about this? Uh, starting in 2020, if you're a Chinese citizen that ranks low on the country's growing social credit system, you could be in danger of uh, being banned from buying a plane ticket or train ticket for up to a year. Their social credit system, and I did not know this, that China does not have a credit rating system like we have here for its citizens. Okay. Roughly of the over a billion, billion and a half people, roughly they got they got credit histories on only like a third of them. Yeah. So they're looking at this cr- social credit system where the Chinese government, remember communism, rates citizens based on things like criminal behavior and financial misdeeds, but also on what they buy say, and do, depending on who your friends are, could rise or depress your score, which could affect the kind of job you get, where you can live, what you can buy. I'm letting that sink in. That's just scary. It should be. What they're talking about is a national trust score that rated what kind of citizen you are. If ever there was Big Brother, that smacks of it. But as they talked about it, what got scarier, the Chinese government turned around to two of the largest data accumulation systems in their country. (coughs) Excuse me. One of which uh, is a both of which are financial concerns that operate in China Mm -hmm. that have information that depending they could even incentivize. (coughs) Excuse me. 
incentivize uh, good behavior. I'm going to let you take a drink for a second. You're listening to Road Worthy Drive on the Road Worthy Drive radio network. We're just going to give Ken a chance to get a drink here, and ah, he's going better. to continue. I am. Um, the scary part, uh, the two companies running this, China Rapid Finance, and I'm trying to find the other one, Sesame Credit. Yeah. There are five categories. One category, the first is credit history. That makes sense. Second is fulfillment capacity, defined in its guidelines as a user's ability to fulfill his or her contract applications. The third is personal characteristics, verifying personal information. And the fourth, behavior and preference. It's a little creepy. Speaking of creepy, when we come back, Utopia and the Autonomous Car. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. This is the final part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Glad you could be with us. I'm Ken Chester. I think I can say with some reasonable assurance that at least two of us on the Roadworthy Drive crew are what you might call, oh, I don't know, futuristics or futurists. I'm sorry, futurists. Or maybe we're just eclectic. We spend time thinking about and reading about the future and the technology that will take us there. Now, while I've read George Orwell's 1984, which was written in 1949, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, which was written way back in 1932, and Ray Bradbury's short story, There Will Be a Soft Rains, which oh. was written in 1950 and still creeps me out. Love that one. Yeah, but it still creeps me out. Creeps me out, too. Way more than it should. So much. And I got so many questions. Mm-hmm. Our future, as we currently know it, at least the near future, say 15, 20 years from now, won't be nearly as pessimistic as the writers projected during the middle of the last century. However, I thought I would take you along with me in time for a peek of what some current writers and journalists are sharing in print. Let me start with this title. By 2020, we'll have flying cars and robot bellboys along with crippling depression and unemployment. What? I can agree with the crippling depression. (laughs) Well, that one I can, too. Because Uh, as technology takes more and more into our daily lives, we're we're further isolating ourselves. We all know, and I think think the three of us will agree on this, Mm -hmm. that if you do not have a job, your depression level is through the roof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. When a man or a woman is working, things can go really, really well. Okay. Uh, kind of. If well, you're I'm making just, a living wage, but that's a whole that's other a whole conversation, other, that's not whole, for this show. Correct. Okay, but even if... But how much of this technology is taking that ability to make a living away? Okay, but let me throw this at you. Get us a little bit back on track. Keep that thought. In two short years, will be a month into 2020. By then, you'll apparently be able to catch a ride in a flying Uber to a hotel where a robot will check your luggage and the minibar fridge will be much smarter than you. 
though the odds that you'll be depressed and unemployed, which means you won't even be able to ease with a couple of martinis because you're taking a pill that makes the booze no fun. That's kind of messed up. That's kind of messed up. How are you going to do that? Too? Well, 2020, you know, it's a nice round number. You know, by 2020, we'll do this, we'll do that. Um, this is this is cute, though. Um, one of the things they're talking about, uh, New York State says by 2020, it will eliminate toll booths. Eh, you're a little late, New York. Massachusetts has already done it. I know. I've gone through a tollless tollway and gotten billed for it. Didn't hurt too much. Okay. You know, what's a pound of flesh between friends? <laughs> It's pretty cool, though. I mean, we did talk about Uber promising flying taxes, and they were talking about 2020. Um, in fact, the U.S. military has been aiming to roll out a tw- in 2020, get this now, a flying Humvee, a troop transported. It looks like a minivan topped with helicopter rotors. <laughs> Why am I picturing the 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 uh, Winnebago from Spaceballs? Oh no! Yes, <laughs> I got one better for you, and I haven't read it anywhere but here. Toyota in January unveiled plans to build an autonomous driving store. Toyota? Let me say that again. Toyota unveiled plans to build an autonomous driving store. A retailer could build a little shop in one of these, and it would drive to you. So that you could try on a bunch of shoes without having to ship the rejects back to Sabatos. That's all my wife needs. Okay, wait a Robo minute. Robomart. Oh, no. Wait a minute. No, no. Are you telling me that they're going to take, like, food tr- what we know as food trucks? Oh, yeah. And you. turn them into grocery stores and they'll come to you? Well, I don't know about grocery stores, but I could see, like, small applications like that uh, shoe truck. And that thing would be profitable from day one. I haven't met a woman. Yeah, I know. Careful. This, hey, you know what? I'm married to one. No, no, Love no. her dearly. You know what? Many much pairs of shoes. No shame. No shame in my 87 pairs of shoes. That's all I'm saying. Hello, Imelda Marcus. I, I, I own two pairs of shoes. I own three. Yeah, two. Have to fight for space with my wife's, I don't even know how many. No shame. Uh, that's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. How about this? Our predictions say that we will have an automatic language translation on our phones, and there will be four connected devices for every human on Earth. Well, I believe Samsung or LG already has that. I've seen that in a commercial a year ago. Yep. So that's not surprising. Um, another thing to think about, let me get this here. Um, by 2020, you'll like this, Jack. We'll be able to buy lab-grown meat. Japan will use robots to build an outpost on the moon. And Dubai will run its government on blockchain technology. Huh? Yeah, never mind. Blockchain, we'll talk about that another time. Do we have to? Yeah, we have to. <laughs> um, how about this? There was this outfit called HOK, a global architecture and design firm, who uh, envisioned what cities would look like. More natural with fully autonomous cars, more nature, less cement and asphalt. Okay. And it's pretty cool. But uh, let, me, let me read you this thought. The oncoming rush of autonomous vehicle technology has led for a rampant speculation of the futures of cities, roads, and society. A recent issue of New York Times Magazine dedicated the subject, listed to a number of utopian, dystopian, and downright fanatical visions of our driverless future. No more roadkill, tickless policing, nonstop teenage car parties, etc., 
nonstop teenage. Yeah, I knew she'd pick up on that. That's why I read. Uh, the answer to that would be no. Autonomous <laughs> I mean, car. Um, I can think of some other nefarious oh, things not fit for radio. I understand. Oh. That's a. That's, and we're gonna leave it there. No, no. Here's what's gonna happen. Oh no! You are going to see fathers and mothers going along on these little car rides. Uh huh. Or at least at least one of them, if not both of them. Exactly. Well, you know, many proposals for AV enabled streets feature incremental changes, wider sidewalks, addition to uh, landscape elements that filter water and pollution, but. Their whole thing is nature first. It'll be quieter. It'll be uh, less heat because less pavement means that the uh, city island effect of warming is reduced because you've got less asphalt that you're dealing with. Right, right. So it actually sounds pretty nice. Um, and I've often imagined when I was at the New York Auto Show last year, mm-hmm. fully autonomous cars, I thought if every other street – was a walkway instead of a street. No asphalt. How much quieter Manhattan would be even then. Yeah. So, utopia people, autonomous car, both are going to be a thing. Another hour has come to an end and much too soon. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in again next week. Same time, same place. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.